Good morning, everyone. I would like to introduce the subject that I'm going to share on this morning by giving you some song titles from the 60s. I know. You could probably do that with songs from today, but I'm not familiar with the songs from today. <laughs> so here's some from the 60s. Have you ever been lonely? Have you ever been blue? I'm just a lonely boy, lonely and blue. Lonely. I'm Mr. Lonely. <laughs> oh, lonesome me. Are you lonesome tonight? You should be getting the picture by now. The last word in lonesome is me. <laughs> I'm so lonesome I could die. Only the lonely know the way I feel tonight. Yep, I'm speaking on loneliness. <clears throat> now, there's a song from that generation that I think is more thought-provoking than maybe some of those. Doesn't the title doesn't start doesn't have the word lonely in it, but the song is all about loneliness, and I'm going to read it to you. It's called Eleanor Rigby. Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where a wedding has been, lives in a dream, waits at the window wearing a face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Who is it for? All the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Father Mackenzie writing the words of a sermon no one will hear, no one comes near. Look at him working, darning his socks in the night when nobody's there. What does he care? All the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? Eleanor Rigby died in a church and was buried along with her name. Nobody came. Father McKenzie wipes, wiping the dirt from his hands as he walks from the grave. No one was saved. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? All the lonely people, where do they all belong? I plan to answer those questions. Where do they all come from? Where do they all belong? From the scriptures today, by the grace of God. But we can say this, surely, the fact that so many human beings can identify with those songs tells us something about the condition of mankind.
one of the reasons I think those songs are popular is because people are looking for somebody that understands their condition, understands their loneliness. There's a difference between loneliness and being alone. Alone can simply mean that you're by yourself in a physical sense. There's no one there, there with you. Sometimes that can be a good thing. Loneliness is a state of mind. It's a feeling of having no one to turn to, having no one who loves you, and can easily lead into a state of despair. Loneliness can be experienced when you're alone or when you're completely surrounded by people. You can be alone in a crowded room. Some of you may feel alone today in this room. I think that's one of the reasons that that song, Eleanor Rigby, is so thought-provoking because he sets the loneliness in the midst of a church situation. Loneliness is a sadness that comes over the mind. The idea that you're alone in the world, that you don't have a friend, that no one cares, no one's really concerned about what happens to you. Marriage doesn't guarantee an end to loneliness. Millions of married people are lonely, still looking for a level of understanding and acceptance from their spouse that the spouse doesn't give to them. The fact is that loneliness is an inescapable part of the fallen human condition. So we want to just spend some time looking into the scriptures here along these lines of loneliness, this subject of loneliness. Back in Genesis chapter 2, God himself said this, Genesis 2.18 it is not good for man to be alone. Now that's an amazing statement and it came before the fall. John Milton said this, he said, Loneliness is the first thing which God's eye named not good. So God says it's not good to have that loneliness to be alone in that sense we are created social beings with the need for fellowship why is that because we're made in the image of God God himself is like this there was and is eternal fellowship among the three persons of the Trinity Jesus in John 17 said this for thou, he's speaking of the Father, 
didst love me before the foundation of the world. There was this love relationship amongst the persons of the Trinity from all eternity. And we're made in the image of God, you see. So we're made that way to need fellowship, to need communion. Now there are times even godly people feel loneliness. I read these songs here, but you know what? There's some songs in the Bible that talk about loneliness. David wrote them. A man after God's own heart. Let's turn to Psalm 25. David said this, just one verse here, in the midst of a longer psalm where he's praying for God's protection and guidance. He says this, Turn to me and be gracious to me. Psalm 25, 16. For I am lonely and afflicted. Here's a godly man. He says this in Psalm 102:7. I lie awake. I have become like a lonely bird on a housetop. And you can find similar statements to what David said in the prophets throughout the Old Testament. You can find them in Jeremiah and Elijah. You can certainly find them in the book of Job. If you turn to the New Testament, you find Paul at times felt deserted by others. He said this in 2 Timothy 4.16, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but all deserted me. And even Christ himself, at times, was a lonely person. It says this of him in Isaiah 53.3, that he was despised and rejected by men. And you can go through church history then and find this type of thing amongst godly men. I'll just pick out one. William Carey, the founder of the modern missionary movement, went to India and uh, went through terrible hardship. I think three of his wives died over there, a number of his children. And he said this at one point. Oh, that I had an earthly friend on whom I could unbosom my soul. He didn't have anyone to talk to. Oh, that I had an earthly friend. Now, this is a godly man, you see. Jesus spoke of his disciples being hated and ostracized and being insulted because of his name. So there's that type of uh, aspect of this. Christian life where there's kind of a, a rejection because of following Christ, but there's also other kinds of loneliness, other aspects of loneliness, other causes of loneliness. Let me just name a few of them. First of all, physical disease can sometimes put you in a lonely situation. An extreme example would be leprosy. In fact, in the Old Testament, what they were supposed to do was 
the leper was supposed to stay away from everybody. And it was, told, it was said that he shall live alone. So there was a certain loneliness to that type of disease, but it doesn't have to be that extreme. Many times sickness can bring loneliness and isolation because you're bedridden. Family breakdown can account for some of this loneliness that we see all around us. Only about one-fourth of the families today live in what has been called a traditional family with a, a mother and father. In the black community, you've got over 70% of the children born out of wedlock. So it's no wonder these people, these young people in those situations, uh, end up, many of them, getting in gangs. Why did they do that? Because one of the reasons is they're lonely. They're looking for some some camaraderie, some fellowship. Well, they're looking in a very bad place for that type of thing. Nevertheless, that's what's going on. They're looking for a sense of belonging. Along that line, I wanted to read a quote uh, from a uh, Internet article I read on relationships said, some of us carry hurt within us, some of which have been with us for a long, long time. We continue to bear and sometimes bury emotions we've experienced as a child whenever we were rejected, mistreated, or deeply disappointed. Each hurt becomes a brick in a fortress we build to guard our hearts and minds. See what he's saying? We take those past hurts and let them build walls, you see, in our present situation. We want to have successful relationships, but we feel compelled to protect ourselves from being hurt, and we never do. Each disappointment adds to the hurt already there, and we find it hard to set the hurt aside. So... I'm putting this in the context of family relationships. Some of a, some people come from such messed up situations, it's it's hard to, to break out of that loneliness that you felt as a child and that rejection. You carry that baggage into present relationships. It doesn't have to be that way. That's what we're going to see today. There can be substantial healing in what God has for us. But I'm just saying these are some of the causes of this loneliness that we see around us. Physical disease, family breakdown, the death of a spouse can do this. Vance Havner has a very touching tape where he talks about his wife of many, many years dying and him feeling lonely in his old age. We have a society that emphasizes individualism. Uh, to, to be lonely is to admit a need which is considered by some then in this type of setting, this type of society, to be a sign of weakness. So people won't admit their need. 
I'll just say this in that context, admitting loneliness is not wrong. It's an honest, often humbling expression of our human need. It's an expression of, of saying, I know there's something missing here. Desiring companionship is a legitimate need. As I said before, we are created as social beings. We're created in the image of God. So this emphasis on individualism. But on the flip side of that, there can be this proud individualism that uh, fosters a loneliness, thinking we're independent of others and in need of no one is not a commendable attribute. It's evidence of a deep spiritual need. It can be the result of spiritual pride, personal pride. It can be a result of an unwillingness to answer to anyone. I just don't want to be accountable. So we isolate ourselves, take this independent attitude. It can be a desire to remain anonymous because of a guilty conscience. We don't want people to be in our lives. We don't want hidden sin to be discovered. So this emphasis on individualism Another aspect, I'm just going through things that foster this thing of loneliness. Another thing is the depersonalization of our culture. One of the reasons for that is a wrong view of reality that comes from an evolutionary worldview. If we're just animals, or even just the energy particle extended, what what are relationships? They're really an illusion. So some people feel even a cosmic loneliness. No, no meaning to life. No meaning to relationships. So the depersonalization of in our culture. The fact that we're such a mobile society. It used to be that communities gave people some sense of belonging. Uh, I know that's the way it was in the little town that I grew up in. Everybody knew everybody. And you had a what you might call kind of a community spirit. Well, there's very little of that left in that little town that I came from, and there's not a lot of it left many places around. We're so mobile, we move from place, we're transient, we don't have roots anywhere. No lasting friendships have time to develop. And then there's just the big area of selfishness. Selfish lifestyle is not conducive to forming good relationships. Selfishness can lead to loneliness. And usually, if that's the source, 
that leads to self-pity. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. One last area I would mention is just satanic influence. Satan wants to isolate you. He wants you to be off on your own. Again, an extreme example from the scriptures would be that demoniac out in the tombs, living out in the tombs. He likes to isolate people. And when he does that, then he wants to substitute something in there to try to make you have some help, supposed help. So he'll get you to use alcohol or drugs in your loneliness, saying, here's, here's some help, here's some help. He's isolated you, now he's lying. You get some help from alcohol, you'll get some help from drugs, you'll get some help maybe from being part of a gang, a violent gang. You'll get some help from wrong use of, of sexual uh, urges. And then ultimately, well, why don't you just commit suicide? There's a lot of people that commit suicide because they're so lonely. They're so lonely. But where'd that, where'd that idea come from? It didn't come from God. It came from Satan. Well, those are a few of the causes and, and uh, reasons that people are lonely in our society. It says in Ecclesiastes, Woe to the one who falls when there is no one to lift him up. We weren't made to live like that. So, that's some of the problem. Now what I'd like to do is give you some thoughts on dealing with loneliness from a Christian perspective. First of all, especially as a Christian, first of all, Jesus himself knows what it's like to be lonely. I think Charles even gave a message along the lines of, Christ being the loneliest person that ever lived. <clears throat> Throughout his ministry, but especially in the time of his trial and crucifixion, we see a loneliness far beyond what any other person has ever faced. Let's just turn to Psalm 69.20. This is a messianic psalm. It means it has to do with Christ. We know it's a messianic psalm because it's quoted in the New Testament related to Christ. <coughs> but just this one verse, verse 20. This is basically Christ speaking here. Reproach has broken my heart and I am so sick, and I looked for sympathy, but there was none, and for comforters, but I found none. 
you can see it's a messianic psalm because this next verse is quoted in relationship to his crucifixion. They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. But just this thought, a broken heart, sickness, look for, for sympathy, but there was none, for comforters, but I found none. And then on the cross, of course, he experienced the absolute loneliness, forsaken even for a time by God the Father. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So he understood loneliness, and he's been through it in a far deeper and profound way, a deeper level than anyone else. But I'll say this in relationship to the Christian understanding of loneliness. He went through that loneliness so that we could have communion with God. He went through that loneliness so we don't have to be lonely. He went through that loneliness not only so that we could have communion with God, but so that we could have communion with one another. That we could be part of a family family of God. He is our great high priest who can sympathize with our weakness, especially in this area. We're talking about loneliness. So, Christ knows what it's like to be lonely. Secondly, God will not forsake his children. Let's turn back to Isaiah 49. Isaiah 49, verse 13. We'll read down through 16, although there's a longer section brings us out even more, but we'll just read three verses here, beginning with 13, I guess. Shout for joy, O heavens, and rejoice, O earth. Break forth into joyful shouting, O mountains, for the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on his afflicted. But Zion said, The Lord has forsaken me, and the Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child and have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget. But here's God speaking. But I will not forget you. Behold, I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. He's talking about the fact that God is constantly caring for us, compassionate towards us, and there to be our comforter if we will look to him. God has not forsaken his children. There may be times when we feel like that, but we have God's promises over and over again that he will not do that. I will never desert you nor will I ever forsake you, Hebrews 13, 5. Jesus said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So even in those times when we might feel alone, we're not alone. When we might feel lonely, we are not alone. I'm with you always. He's with us even in the times when we don't sense it.
one of the things we have to do in those times is take hold of the promises that he's told us he'll be with us and not forsake us. Cry out before him, pour out our heart before him. Share, share your loneliness, your feelings of loneliness with God. Be honest with him in those times. So, God will not forsake his children. Three, only God can meet our deepest needs for companionship. The fact is, people look to people, and sometimes there can be some help there, but ultimately, it's only God that can meet the deepest needs. There's no person big enough to meet the needs of another person. If you try to make another person meet your needs, all you'll do is sap them for more than they have. Only God can meet our deepest needs. He's made us that way on purpose. He's the only one that knows our deepest needs innermost desires and needs. Jesus said that we should come to him and we could find rest for our souls. Nobody else can give that to you. Only God can give rest for the soul. And I will say this, only that that's only going to be perfect in heaven. There's not going to be any loneliness there. Not one little trace of loneliness left in heaven. It's never like that on earth. But there can be substantial, what Francis Schaeffer called substantial healing in this area. Perfect healing is in heaven. No loneliness in heaven, no companionship in hell. But here on earth, there's yet a mixture. It takes an inner determination, an inner determination, not to give in to unbelief. If your life is dominated by a sense of loneliness, I have to conclude you're giving in to unbelief. You're not believing God's word and God's promises. We have to do a little battle with ourselves in this area, or sometimes these feelings of loneliness will, will well up and become overwhelming. We can't let that happen. You see David dealing that way in Psalm 42. Let's look at that. He had times of loneliness. I've already pointed that out. Times of despair. But this is what he does in his better moments, believing moments. Psalm 42, verse 5, Why are you in despair, O my soul? He's talking with himself, pleading with himself, prodding himself. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become distressed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his, of his presence. The help of his presence, the awareness of God. But he had to take a stand, you see. He had to take a stand against those 
feelings of despair and loneliness, or he'd just wallow in them. And he knew that wasn't right. So he's, t- he's talking with himself, dealing with himself here, by the grace of God, of course. Let's look at verse, uh, he does it again, verse 11. Why are you in despair, O my soul, and why have you become distra- disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help the help of my countenance and my God. In other words, he's the one that can lift me out of this, and I'm going to look to him. I'm not going to look to myself. I'm not going to look inward. I'm not going to do that and get into a bunch of self-pity. I'm going to look outward. I'm look to God and his promises in this and not let, let, not let me dominate me. I'm going to let God run the show and look to him. So... Only God can meet our deepest needs. We need to cry out to him for that. Number four, we need to realize that even the negative experience of loneliness can have positive results. There can be some positive things that come from it. For one thing, when others fail us, and others will fail us, he can show us that the one that will never fail us is the one we need to rely on, the one we need to look to. David said this, For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me up. So it can help us in terms of not expecting to find all the help we need from another person. It can, it can help us to look to God, this sense of loneliness. Our experience of loneliness can be used to help others. For instance, David wrote down some of his experiences related to loneliness and how he dealt with it, and that's helped millions of people through the, through the centuries. And you, finding substantial help in this area will help other people also. Van Savner said, when you go through the valley, dig a well so that the next person through it will have a place to drink. (laughs) So it can be used to help others in that situation. Solitude can be used for the glory of God. Spiritual blessings are often the result of spiritual battles fought alone. Many of our battles are battles we have to fight alone. But the spiritual blessing can come from that. There are some aspects of prayer and meditation that can only be accomplished alone. See this in Jesus' life over and over again. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, he arose and went out and departed to a lonely place, and there was praying. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So we can take the negative experience of loneliness and look for some godly, positive things to come from it. It may be a provision for us that we will actually be thankful for 
later on. I can say this from experience. There were times when I was lonely before I was married. But it did give me lots of time to read and listen to tapes and meditate and pray. And uh, I didn't realize the benefit of that until later, what God was allowing me to have in some of those times of loneliness. Now, I, I didn't always make the best use of that time, I have to say. I, yeah, it's, it's easy to get into self-pity. I can say this, self-pity is not productive. <laughs> there is a way to use that loneliness, that solitude, that is productive, but wallowing around in self-pity is not one of them. I would also say that God can give us some real practical help in this area of loneliness. For some people, that may be a wife or a husband. But, as I said before, that doesn't always solve the problem. There's many lonely married people, and there's single people that are not lonely. And that God can make either one a blessing the singleness or the marriedness, as long as we're looking to him. As far as the singles are concerned, we have this promise from God. He said, I will set the solitary in families. If you're single and have that, some of those sense of loneliness in your life, one of the ways to deal with that is to be with the family that God's given you. And I'm talking about the spiritual family here, the church. Satan will try to isolate you and make you more lonely, bring you to more despair so he can get you to do some of those things I mentioned earlier that are not going to fill that emptiness at all instead of getting you where you need to be, which is God's people, where you hear God's word and can fellowship with one another. So he sets the solitary in family. Now let's look at Mark chapter 10. That verse is actually, if you want to know where that is, that's Psalm 68, 6. But just another one along this same line. Mark 10, 29. Peter had said to Christ, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or farms for my sake and for the gospel's sake, but that he shall receive a hundred times as much now in this present age, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms along with persecutions. And in the age to come, eternal life. But he says even right now God will provide brothers and sisters and mothers and children and farms. In other words, he's gonna he's made a provision for that. And I think the the logical way of interpreting this, he's talking about the Christian fellowship that we have wherever we go and meet with God's people. We can find brothers and sisters. We can find houses and farms 
God's provision here, practical helps in this area of loneliness. Another thing to realize is that when you are in that family, in the church of God, you are needed. One of the things that fosters loneliness is to, to feel like you're not needed. But you see, if you're in God's family, the church, it's a body. And the, and the scriptures teach that every member of the body is needed and important. You need me and I need you. That's just the way it is. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. So when you're in the body of Christ, you're needed because you're part of the body. Might be the little toe, but you're still needed. Did I ever tell you about, I think I told you this. Dizzy Dean was a great pitcher for, I think it was the Yankees. No. All right, Dan, who did he pitch for? Cardinals? Dizzy Dean? All right. Anyway, here, here's something you may not know about Dizzy Dean. He, well, listen, the reason I made that association is because I, when I was uh, watching and listening to baseball, he, was a, he wasn't a player anymore. He was a commentator. And I only watched the Yankees, and he was always doing the commentary. <laughs> but I stand corrected in that. But here's, here's something inter interesting about Dizzy Dean. He got hit. He was a tremendous pitcher. He got hit in the toe with a line drive. Now, you know, that was his toe. It wasn't his arm. It wasn't his head. It was his toe. But he never was the same pitcher after getting hit in the toe. Now, what am I bringing Dizzy Dean up for? Because every member matters. You might be a toe, but you're important. The church should be a place of friendship. So we're talking about loneliness. Well, kind of the opposite of loneliness is having friends. Well, you know, one of the ways that uh, a number of the letters are closed in the New Testament is like this. The friends greet you, greet the friends by name. That's just a way of talking about the church. We're friends. We're friends. The friends greet you. Greet the friends by name. In the church, we're taught to bear one another's burdens and thus, thus fulfill the law of Christ. So, in this area here of loneliness, that may be part of the burden that we're supposed to bear from one, with another person. Help them through that time. As we focus on the needs of others and seek to minister to them, we find our own needs of belonging and companionship. It's like, instead of thinking about my loneliness, let's think about that other person. And as you start doing that, your loneliness dissipates. It's amazing. Getting our eyes off our own need and onto the needs of others helps a lot in dealing with this thing of loneliness. 
had a couple other things here that I want to bring out. We should, we're talking about practical things here. And maybe some of these have already, I've hit on these kind of uh, in one way or another. We need to determine that we can, by the grace of God, control our emotions in this area of loneliness. Not on our own, but by the grace of God. We can, we can ask God for help in this area. We can pray to God if we're feeling these things. We can determine to be friendly. <laughs> Talking about friendship in the church. If you want friends, be a friend and determine that you're going to show yourself friendly. One person said positive actions and emotions are contagious and will encourage those around you to want to be around you. Volunteer your services for others. May not even be within the church. There's a, there's opportunities, hospitals and schools and libraries, uh, nursing homes. Well, but let me just say this. I started out by quoting that Beatles song, and. Uh, quote it again here because I want to answer what I brought up. All the lonely people, where do they all come from? They come from the fact that we live in a world of alienation because of the fall. Because of the fall, we're alienated from God, we're alienated from one another, we're alienated even from ourselves. And we're alienated from nature. There's no wonder there's loneliness. Where do they all come from? They come because of man's fall into sin. But the Beatles go on and say, where do they all belong? Where do they all belong? They belong in a right relationship with God. How do they get that? Well, that's our ministry. We have a ministry of reconciliation. We're, we're about the business of answering what the Beatles were asking there. Where do they all belong? They belong back with God. And Christ has made a way for that. We have the message that alleviates loneliness. We have the message that speaks to that deep need of the human heart that's caused by sin. So that's a little presentation of this area of loneliness from a Christian perspective. Lo, I'm with you always. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age.